Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 379, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Man, we got a lot. We got Cowboys schedule. Of course, the last time we did a podcast, we didn't know how it would lay out. Now we do, so we'll dive into that with the NFL. We got the Rangers trying to figure things out. We got the Stars and the Kraken headed to... The game seven, nothing is more nerve wracking in sport, in my estimation, than game seven hockey, especially if it's a close game going into the third period. That's why it'd be nice if the stars can come out and do some things. We'll see how it is. We'll get into that. But none of this happens without our wonderful sponsors. And that starts at the top man with the great people over at Greening Law. Robert Greening and his team, the green team at Greening Law. I've been telling you about these guys for forever. I directly worked with them for those that somehow don't know. I was hurt in a car accident. And my first call that next Monday after that weekend car accident was to Robert Greening. And the consultation's free. I said, hey, here's what happened to me. I think I got a case. They asked me a few questions like, yep, sure do. And it was a fantastic decision, man. The stuff that these guys know how to do, they have the expertise to guide you in this situation. I'd highly recommend you give them a call if you find yourself with a personal injury situation. Well, you know, the one thing I've always said about it and the one thing you've always maintained is that if you're going to be hurt and you're not at the crib and something's, you've been injured, somebody needs to be held accountable for it. And so if you're up against somebody else's insurance company, there's nothing better than having Greening Law riding with you. And Matt can tell you from experience, he's told you that they ride with you, when to turn left, when to turn right. They walk you through the process because it can be long and intimidating. So if you're involved in an incident like that, we tell you, you got to pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900. Say, here's my situation. What do you think? Consultation don't cost you nothing. It's free, zip, not a nothing. And they don't get paid unless you get paid. So they will grind for you, no doubt. That's how to do it, man. It's Robert Greening, Greening Lofts, the place to be, 972-934-8900. Call them now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So the schedule comes out, and, and I mean, it's so wild on Thursday, the way that they have found a way. And now all the teams are doing these social media bits. Okay, let's just say that the Titans was unparalleled. Uh, hands down. And I don't even want anybody to copy it next year because 
they did it so originally it doesn't need to be cut now they can try to do it again next year but i don't even know if they should because you can't top the originality of this year and if you haven't seen what the titans did on the schedule just google it you can find it pretty easy uh because it was hilarious you want to tell me what they did matt yeah, so they went around on Broadway Street, which is uh, the main like bar strip, similar to Bourbon Street in downtown Nashville. It's called Broadway. And so I guess their social media guys went out on Broadway and just did Man on the Street and showed the logo for each NFL team on the Titan schedule and asked these random people, who is this? <laughs> and their, their answers are just like, I mean, all like, for instance, they showed one dude, the Jacksonville Jaguars logo, and the dude goes, uh, Chester Cheeto. <laughs> and so then the Titans would put up, you know, bum, 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 week nine, the Chester Cheetos. That's what to me made it hilarious. Like the people saying it was like, okay, that was pretty funny. But when they played the classic NFL music yes. and then stuck whatever the people said up top, I was like, okay, this is the funniest stuff I've seen in quite a while. And what's great is that like, for instance, so the Atlanta Falcons, they show the image of the bird or whatever. And whoever they ask that goes, ah, the Red Stallions. <laughs> and so the Atlanta Falcons have changed their official Twitter name to the Red Stallions for the <laughs> last is, few days. Yeah. This is what we talk about when we say you can have fun. Yeah, that man. was fun. And that was fun for everybody. Oh, the, the Falcons looked at it and said, you know what? This crap right here is funny. Let's play along. Somebody else did that too. I can't remember who, but somebody else changed theirs to whatever uh, the people said. It was uh, that was some of the funniest stuff I've seen in a minute. I mean, it, it was just all over. What's really funny is that you know they're in the AFC South, so the so the the Titans have to play the Colts twice. So right. they showed two different people, or however many it was, the the Colts logo. They both said, "Oh, I know that. That's the Cowboys. That's the Texas. That's the Cowboys." <laughs> And so apparently, like, the, so the, the Titans are like, bum, 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 the Dallas Cowboys, you know, like they're playing the, the Cowboys twice this year because people think right. that that horseshoe logo is the Cowboys. Dude. I thought it was genius, man. It was awesome. And again, it just goes to show how the NFL has taken the national consciousness. It's May. Training camps don't open for 10 more weeks. There's literally nothing going on other than rookie mini camps in the NFL. And they completely stole the last week building up the schedule and all the stuff that came out after the schedule. Brilliant. Stole it, bro. Stole it's wild. it. But as it ascertains, and, and there's some things with the schedule that are always really interesting. So this year, they use an NFL, they have a computer, and they have people that handle all this crap. Their, their scheduling czar is a dude named Howard Katz. And this year, more than 112,000 completed schedules were evaluated with the NFL deeming 450 of them worthy of diving into to figure it out. And it's wild because you sent this little clip, and this was from Albert Breer in his Monday morning quarterback that he does on SI. The NFL has a, a vice president just, just handles broadcasting. His name is Ani Bose. And he said that the NFL goes to their five broadcast partners and asks them to rank the top 50 games every year. Because again, we already know what teams are playing what. And so right. they ask them, rank out the top 50 games that you would want. And he says, you won't be surprised by it at all. Most of that top 20 are the Cowboys and the Chiefs games. They're in their own echelon in terms of viewership, purely just on history of the Dallas Cowboys and the appeal of the Super Bowl champs with Patrick Mahomes. He goes, right. they're, they're tier one. But then you've got a great tier of competitive teams that are in that mix to win their conference and go to the Super Bowl, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Cincinnati, San Francisco. They play each other quite a bit, so you try to schedule those as well. And that's kind of where the schedule comes out. And it's interesting as well because... 
and I thought this was wild. So not only does the NFL have a broadcasting department, the NFL also has a broadcast planning department. And the guy who runs that division is called, his name's Mike North. And he said, our fans are telling us every day what's important to them. Every time they hit a link, download a video, read an article on NFL.com. Every time they turn on television, watch NFL Total Access, they add a player to their fantasy team, they buy a hat or a t-shirt, they buy a ticket on the secondary market, they place a legal bet. Our fans are telling us what's important to them and what they're interested in, which is why somehow as mediocre as the Cowboys have been, just generally considering they haven't been championship competitive in 20-something years, the fact that they continue to dominate television is incredible, but on the on the national scale, nobody is drawing more eyeballs or more interest than the Dallas Cowboys. No, we've tried to tell y'all that, man. <clears throat> and that's that I mean that's why they're on TV all the time. And what they have done is what people are told all the time. When I was a columnist, my bosses told me this, which was uh we don't care what you write, do whatever you write. But what's going to make you successful is if people love you or they hate you, they just can't be like, eh, who cares what Taylor wrote right. today? He said, now, you know, don't go out of way to make them love you or hate them. Just be authentic, do what you do. But if they love you or hate you, that's good. When they don't care about you, that will get you replaced. And it's like that if you're a radio host, you got to love our show, you got to hate our show, you just got to listen to our show. You can't be like, oh, it's those guys, let's turn the channel. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is, man. And it's Stephen Smith is the greatest example ever next to the Cowboys. Yeah. And Skip Bayless. Yeah. I mean, boom, you nailed it. I mean, those guys are making millions and millions and millions just going on TV, getting people to react to them. Yes. Love them or hate them. Yeah. You you love them, so you talk about them. You hate them, because you talk, and so you talk about them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Like, when people go on social media and, like, I can't believe such and such, you know, Stephen A. Smith is still on TV. This guy's trash. I go, you realize you just helped cash his check. The fact you commented on him. Yeah. It's amazing. Think about it. You were moved enough to yeah. comment on him. So as it pertains to the Dallas Cowboys, it, it, and it's funny because one of my buddies was like, oh my God, really? They're opening the season against the Giants again? And yes, it is. It's going to be Sunday night football on the road in New York, big divisional matchup against the Giants. But they actually haven't opened the season against the Giants since 2019. So I, I didn't think it was like crazy that they scheduled them to open the season against the Giants. It seems like it's a lot because there was some times where the Cowboys basically in a handful of years were opening them up with the Giants like every other year, almost back-to-back seasons. But it's been a while since they've opened against the New York Giants. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, they used to seem like they used to open up every year, like three or four years in a row. Yeah. Uh, but this, my friends, will be a big game because, why? It's a division game. But what, the Giants are good. Uh, they're not great, but they're good. And it's uh, they're going to be trying to start the season with a statement. The crowd will be juiced because it's in New York. A lot of excitement in the city just because the Jets are good. And they got Aaron Rodgers. The Giants are good. Um, they got some momentum from last year. And so there'll be a lot of excitement for this game. And, you know, it's the first game, man. And whenever you open up the first game of the season with a division opponent, it's always a big deal because division games matter the most. And then when you throw in the fact that the Cowboys, I think, have lost three straight season openers, it uh, might be nice to start off 1-0 for a change and not have to hear or read all those stories on Tuesday after the season about, you know, no team, Matt, has gone to the playoffs with an 0-2 start since pick a year. Yeah. Because uh, that's what's happening. 
Yeah, and I mean, we forget because I think in 2020 it was the Rams, they lost, and then obviously each of the last two years they've opened up against Tampa Bay and have lost each of those two games. So yeah, three in a row, and they haven't opened against the Giants, like I said, since 2019. I did think it was interesting, and this is going to be tough for Dallas. That's why if you can get a win early to open the season, four of their first six games are on the road. They go to New York. Then week two, of course, the big one with Aaron Rodgers coming to Cowboys in Dallas to take on the Jets. Week three on the road at Arizona, but again, a weak team that you got to, the Cowboys should win that game. You host New England and then back-to-back games, tough ones, man, both primetime games on the road on Sunday, October 8th at San Francisco and the very next Monday on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. I wonder if they'll just stay out on the West Coast for that entire week. Uh, they might because by the time they get home, that's a tough ass flight. Yeah, and you wonder uh, if it just makes sense to just stay out there West Coast, go San Francisco to L.A. instead of flying back to Dallas. Ooh, excuse me, I tried oh. to hit the mute button and yeah, I missed. No big deal. <laughs> it happens. Um, no, it could. Plus, you know, California's their home away from home. Um, with training camp, so I don't know. I, I guarantee it's something they're looking into. Uh, they did that. I know for a fact because I, I was there. Uh, when Parcells was the coach and they had a two-game West Coast swing like that, they stayed in California. And you know what was – I can't remember uh, what year it was, although it would be easy to find out. Uh, you know what was memorable about that, uh, about that stayover, Matt? Hmm. I'm pretty sure, although we'd have to ask his personal biographer, Todd uh, Archer, for, for, to, for verification – I'm pretty sure during that two that layover in California between West Coast games is when the great LP Latisseur joined the team ah. and never left. Ah, yes, he was immortal for a long time. <laughs> okay, and yeah, see, that would make it 2005. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, so I don't know. When I saw that, I thought, really, four of the first six on the road, but at least one of those is the Cardinals, and and you should. I mean, that might almost be a home game. And you should win that. You should beat Arizona. And then you think, okay, well, four of the first six are on the road. Well, then maybe they'll have a stretch where they've got a a good amount towards the end of the season. Three of the last four are on the road, including they have to play in Buffalo the week before Christmas in the middle of December. Oh, stop. Talk to my stepmom this morning. She was positively giddy about that. Are you coming? Are you coming? Uh, Should we make plans? Hopefully there's five feet of snow. I know that's the thing, man. mm. (laughs) Now that is coming off. Now they do. They have three of their final four on the road, but they do get three in a row at home. And the NFL kind of helped them out here because you play Washington on Thanksgiving Day. And that's only four days after playing Carolina, who's not going to be, I don't think, that great this year. You then get the full week off again because you play Seattle at home on the next Thursday night. And then they gave them that mini buy where they don't play again until Sunday, December 10th another big Sunday night game, and they get the Eagles at home. So it's nice. They kind of set up that Eagles matchup nicely by saying, oh, okay, we'll give you an extra three or four days off before you have to play Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, they they can only help you out so much. But, uh, man, I mean, the reality is we looked at the schedule and said on paper, uh, this is going to be a tough one. Sure. If, If you look at the teams that have the, I think, the hardest strength of schedule, uh, if you look at the top 10, it's no surprise that I think six or seven of them are from the AFC East and the NFC East. Why? Because they're two good divisions and they play each other this year. And so you're playing better teams. And uh, that's just to look at the draws. Parity at its best. 
And uh, you just got to deal with it, bro. Yeah. It's here. I mean, we knew the schedule was going to be hard, so it's here. No doubt, yeah. And um, you'll either be good enough or you won't. Yeah, and I thought, okay, so you got to go to Buffalo in the middle of December, but at least you didn't have to go to Miami in September. They, they, they're going to Miami on Christmas Eve, and you know it's going to be nice down there, so you're not dealing with the heat and the humidity that you would have in September if they had thrown the Miami Dolphins on a little bit earlier in the season. So I guess that's a benefit. And then they close against the Lions and, and Washington on the road. It's an interesting schedule. We already knew the teams. It lays out nicely. The Cowboys, as you might imagine, they are one of the four teams that have six primetime games, and that is not including the Thanksgiving Day game. So seven times this season, the Cowboys will be the only team playing in their time slot. They start out, they got the primetime game. They play Sunday night football against the Giants in the opener. Sunday night football in October against San Francisco. Monday night, as we mentioned, the following week in primetime against the Chargers. They got a Thursday night game against Seattle after Thanksgiving. The very next Sunday, primetime against the Eagles. And then they close out with the Lions, that final game of the year on Saturday, December 30th in the primetime slot. And then, of course, obviously the Thanksgiving Day game. So seven, I mean, again, nobody's more relevant than the Dallas Cowboys. That's what they have. And six primetime games. The other teams that have six primetime games, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Chargers, the Jets have five. The Lions have four, man. The Lions, I mean, they open that season opener. We talked about that last week. And then after that, they have three more primetime games for the Lions. And we're going to get fed a lot of Aaron Rodgers, man. The NFL is going to want us to eat Aaron Rodgers and, and, and buy into the Jets having a chance with him. Well, you know what the deal is, man. They're one of the huge storylines of the year. And the NFL likes to um, – check this out, man. The NFL really likes to view itself like the WWF or, world, you know, in wrestling. And what is wrestling all about? It's about storylines. We got the heroes. We got the villains. What did uh, our program director, the great Jeff Catlin at The Ticket, used to tell us all the time when we were at ESPN and he was running their, their programming? Hey, sports is full of heroes and villains. And so what are the Cowboys? Depending on how you look at them, they're a hero or a villain. What is Aaron Rodgers? Seems like he's pretty much turned into a villain. Oh, yeah, he's a villain for me. But the Jets, because they've been underdogs and ain't been no good for a while, the villain could make the, the, the underdog Jets a good story. And so, dude, it's ain't no – and what are, what, are, um, what are the Lions? The Lions are like that, that good guy who's been a role player, who's not getting a starring role, and we'll see if he's good enough to keep a starring role or whether he goes back to being somebody's sidekick. And so that's really what um, – that's a great column. Maybe I'll write that. There you uh, go. That's really what the NFL is all about these days, about heroes and villains. And those, my friends, are who you see on TV all the time. It's the people, the heroes or the villains, and the storylines. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true, man. And, and there's a lot of them in the NFL. And – that's what dominates it. Now, looking elsewhere around the NFL, and of course, as I mentioned, I mean, obviously, if those four teams have six primetime games, there are four teams that have zero primetime games. And it's interesting because all four of these teams at least have one or two dynamic players that you might thought would command attention. But the Houston Texans, who, of course, have C.J. Stroud that they just drafted and Will Anderson, the Atlanta Falcons, and I, I can see why the Falcons wouldn't. The Cardinals. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals have zero primetime games. And then finally, the Indianapolis Colts. 
who just picked up Anthony Richardson. And I'll, I'll be curious. And again, that's just walking into the season. They could flex. You know, if Anthony Richardson turns out and he's like, whoa, he's doing some stuff, maybe the Colts will get a game flexed or something like that. But those right. are the four teams walking into the season that have zero primetime games. So if you're a fan of one of those four teams, well, sucks for you. Now, let me tell you something, Doc. You know, what's interesting at that, and say those teams again, one by one. The Texans, the Falcons. Right. And see, you got the Texans. What do, they, what do they lack, bro? They ain't got no stars or no villains. No heroes, no villains. They got nothing. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. Falcons. Same thing. Same thing. And uh, who's the other two? The Cardinals and the Colts. See, the Cardinals, they should have, Kyler Murray should be a hero or a villain. Right. And the fact that he's neither lets you know he ain't done shit in the league. And I'm not saying this because he blocked me on Twitter for some unknown reason. <laughs> you I'm just telling you. Up. That's awesome. Because it's, a, it's incredible. Like, most people, like, uh, let's just throw this out there. If Des Bryant had blocked me on Twitter, I would understand why. We had some beef way back in the days. Like, oh, I don't like what Taylor says about the Cowboys. I'll block him. I literally don't ever remember saying anything about Kyler Murray or tweeting anything about Kyler Murray because guess what? The Cardinals just ain't that. Why are they not on primetime, bro? They're just not that relevant. No, they're not. They're, they're irrelevant. He hasn't figured it out in wow. Arizona. Check this out, though. What if the Colts, um, you know what? I'm a little surprised that the Colts don't have one because I thought maybe they thought with Anthony Richardson, they would uh, they would be worthy of a even though he's not supposed to play that much this year. Yeah, I thought Anthony Richardson might be worthy of one appearance or so. But next year, if he is who they think he is, guess who will be on there quite a bit? Yeah, Anthony Richardson and the Colts. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. And that's we'll see. I mean, again, this is just the beginning schedule, and the NFL can can flex things depending oh, I on how about teams that. go. They absolutely can flex to whoever's hot. Yeah, I which mean, I guess is good. It is. Although, we got we to say this for a second, Matt. Okay, have you noticed that I did have my coffee protein shake this morning, Matt, and I just got back from the gym? Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> is I got to tell you, and I, I haven't paid for an NFL ticket in forever. I thought I bought my dad and his wife and my kids uh, a few years ago. This flex schedule is fucked up for the fans. Yes, it is. Because some yeah. people bought their life. Or, like, I have some friends who say we go to one Cowboys game a year. Well, they don't wait till the week of the game to buy the ticket. They buy the ticket in September or as soon as tickets are available. And then guess what they do? They buy flights and schedule hotels and stuff around that game. And so you come up a week before and you flex that game. You've, dude, yeah, it just seems like, the, I don't know what the answer is. It just seems like there should be some limit to how you do it for your ticket buying fan base that you should at least act like you care i agree it's very very unfortunate for fans that get flexed like that because it throws massive kinks into all of your plans yeah but again do you care about the 20 something thousand that might be affected or do you care about the millions and millions you're going to watch oh i know i get it man it's a sacrifice for the greater good in a sense fairly or unfairly i that's just how it is so I got some other thoughts on the schedule, but before we do that, let's throw out, of course, our great sponsors that continue to make this happening. And guys, trust me, I, it's, it's hot in Alabama. I know it's getting hot in Texas. Flow Air, heating and air, veteran owned and operated over 16 years of experience. Again, you're halfway through the month of May. They're offering their yearly maintenance package for $99 per system. That's down from the normal $169. That's a savings of $70 for their yearly maintenance 
that they will offer on your air conditioning systems. And I think this is important for you. Everybody in Texas, again, by the time we get to June, July, and August, you're gonna, your air conditioning is running like 24-7. You have yep. to have it. And how do you know if it's going to hold up for you? Flow air, heating, and air. You have them come over. Tell them you heard about them on the Jam Session podcast. They'll get you taken care of and make sure that your AC can make it through the hot summer months that are on the way. Dude, I mean, we tell it all the time. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about air conditioning in this case or car or whatever. Preventive maintenance is the way to go. Why do you go to the doctor every year? You go to the doctor, get a checkup, make sure everything is straight before you head into another year. Air conditioning is no, is no different. The way we use our air conditioning in Texas, where it's already, we've already had some 90 degree days. We know that string 100 days is 100 degree days is coming. Go get it checked out now with Flow Air. Let them come give you that peace of mind with those that coming. Hey, I can even plan my vacation because I shouldn't have any big out-of-pocket expense to get my air conditioner fixed this summer. That's the way it is. It's Flow Air, heating and air. Again, they've got all your AC needs. It's repairs, system replacements. They can do attic installation, all this stuff for you. So keep that in mind. And also remember... Not only are they local and family owned, they service the entire DFW area and they provide 24-7 emergency service when you do have that problem with your AC. So call them, you can text them, Flow Air, Heating and Air, 817-808-4115, 817-808-4115, Flow Air, Heating and Air, check them out. We appreciate those guys very much. Also, of course, Bruce Biltong, been telling you about these guys for a while, man. Steve with Bruce Biltong started this company in his own garage, grew up in South Africa where biltong is a tradition. I mean, that's what biltong is. It's similar to beef jerky, but it's a traditional South African air dried meat. He made it because biltong is better than beef jerky. And he started giving it to his friends and his friends like, holy crap, this is awesome. So he started his own company. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, super high in protein. And man, we tell you all the time, if you like beef jerky, Biltong, more savory, more tender, crazy good flavor. You will love it. Dude, what's not to love about it? It's tender. It's juicy. It's succulent. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, you know, I'm a beef jerky guy, or at least I was until I started eating Biltong. And the reason is, Biltong doesn't get stuck in my teeth really that much, bro. Imagine that. You eat some jerky, it's stuck in your teeth. You eat some Biltong, you go, I don't even need a toothpick. It's that good. It's flavorful. And that's the biggest thing for me. Me and Matt both get down with the sliced Biltong. You stuff it in your mouth. You know, I ain't going to tell you. I, okay, I sucked the juice out first. Mm. So you hear that? It's got juice in it. I actually sucked the juice out first. Then I start chewing on it. That's probably more than you wanted to know, but that's just how good it is. Yeah, it's very, very tasty, my friends. It's Bruce Biltong. You can find them online. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. Jump on there and order a couple of bags for yourself. Great snacks. And Jam Session listeners, our Jam fans, get 15% off with the code JAM15, J-A-M-15, 15% off at BruceBiltong.com. So circling back around to the schedule, I thought it was interesting. Just looking at this, just a couple of things about the NFL in general with the scheduling. And we talked about Jacksonville a little bit last time, but they now have three primetime games this year. And keep in mind, Jacksonville won the division last year. They were 9-8. and eight. Trevor Lawrence up and coming. They won a playoff game. And they do have back-to-back games in London. So we're going to get a little test case here of a team staying in London for a couple of weeks and how that might work. The easiest schedule in the NFL based on opposing teams' win percentage from last year, and and take that for what it's worth, the Atlanta Falcons. If Desmond Ritter is the answer at cornerback, cornerback, quarterback, 
if Desmond Ritter is the answer, then maybe, perhaps, with Bijan Robinson there in the fold, playing in a really crappy division, depending on how some of those other crappy teams from last year turn out, maybe Atlanta is a team that can surprise in the, in the NFC South. Yeah, but here's the deal, man. The division ain't no good, so somebody's going to stack up some wins over there. And, uh, you know, and, and the, I keep saying that the league is built for parity because it is. And the question is whether, and, and it's a big question, whether Ritter is the guy, because what do we know about quarterbacks not taking in the first round, bro? It's a crapshoot whether they yeah. get you anything. That's just how hard the job is. It's amazing, but that literally is just how hard it is. If you're not the first-round pick, uh, the odds are stacked against you. So he's got a lot to overcome. He's not with a good team. The best thing for him, though, is they're run-oriented, so maybe he'll be in good passing situations. Uh, he Obviously, he was really good at Cincinnati, and maybe now that he's had – he didn't sit the whole year, but he's had enough to get a feel for the game. Maybe he's ready to take a, take a step. The hardest schedule in the NFL goes to those Philadelphia Eagles. And not only – this is interesting, too, for Philadelphia. And, and look, they're going to be good. I, I would say walking into the season, they, they and San Francisco are the two best teams in the NFC. I think the Cowboys are right up there behind those guys. But the Eagles have an interesting start because they open on the road at Gillette Stadium in New England, and it's going to be Tom Brady night for the Patriots. So you know there's going to be a lot of energy going in on a road game like that. And then in week two – the NFL not only sends them on the road for their first game on Tom Brady night, they immediately turn around and play week two on a Thursday night, four days after their opener against Minnesota. Well, that's not a positive. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, man, it's, um, it's going to be very interesting. And so much of the NFL, it's not the entire story as the Detroit Lions showed us last year, but so much of the NFL is can you get off to a good start and get that momentum going and get that chemistry going and get that feel good in the building going that breeds confidence? Because what is confidence? It's born a demonstrated ability. I proved I could do this. Now I know I can do it again. And um, if they can get it going, maybe they'll surprise us and do a little something. We shall see. Elsewhere in the NFL, and I thought this was interesting, I don't think the Texans are going to be good, but with – what they've got now is C.J. Stroud on offense and Will Anderson on defense. And, you know, can D'Amico Ryans figure out how to put things together down there? But Houston doesn't play back-to-back -back road games until weeks 14 and 15. <laughs> they tried to hook them up as best they could, a bad team. Um, it's a, uh, you know, their whole thing will be, um, can D'Amico Ryan, you know, figure out a way as a defensive guy to put your boy C.J. Stroud in position to succeed. Uh, it's got to do it with offensive line and running game. Uh, hopefully he's got some receivers who can help. And, uh, you know, that's, I've told you, and I ain't breaking no news here, but I like to remind folks, to me, your success or failure as a quarterback, 90 to 95% of the time is built on the organization. Whether they have any sense or competent people at the top who can give you whatever you specifically need to thrive and succeed and then build a team around your strengths and weaknesses. And when they do that, New England Patriots, you can really run off championships. And when they don't, Tony Romo, you can tease fan bases and just frustrate them because you can never figure out all the formula you need to succeed. Elsewhere in the NFL, and in, in the AFC North we know is loaded and is going to be a very interesting division, 
Cleveland has a chance to get off to a great start. Now, keep in mind, again, Deshaun Watson's going through everything. He's not going to have to deal with the suspension or anything this year. He gets the full offseason with Cleveland this time around. They have only one road game, and it's just going from Cleveland to Pittsburgh in the first six weeks of the season. Wow. They play four at home, one on the road, and they have their bye week. Well, damn. That's set up for success. That's set up for success, yeah. right? Yeah, man. I mean, that's okay. Cleveland, can you jump out to an, an, uh, something strong early on? Um, they just picked up Z- Zadarius, uh, the pass rusher, who's yeah, Zadarius who's Smith a, from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, although he had eight sacks in the first, you know, nine games, and then one or two in the last half of the season. But they've kind of loaded up this year to try to make something happen, and they need to because Ravens are good. The Bengals are obviously good. Uh, the Steelers are never bad, if if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just me. I think you agree though. I think Deshaun Watson will be Deshaun Watson this year. I think last year was incredibly hard. He hadn't played in a long time, so we all know you know how long you practice doesn't matter. It's the speed of the game is a whole different thing. It's a whole new system. And no matter how much money you make, there's still innate pressure and stress that you put on yourself to perform. Now that he's had a year there, I expect Deshaun Watson to play like Deshaun Watson. And when he did that, we all said he's one of the top six or seven quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, you know, look, Nick Chubb's still hanging around. We know what he can do. Obviously, Amari Cooper is there. They drafted Cedric Tillman, who I liked a lot coming out of Tennessee in the third round this year as a big wide receiver. David Njoku is still there as a tight end. It, it, that's a tough division. And we talked about that before at Baltimore, obviously Cincinnati's not going anywhere. Pittsburgh, who still never finishes under 500. And that's why like a start like that, where you're giving Cleveland four out of their first five games at home. And the one road game is, Oh, just take a train to Pittsburgh. Basically it is. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they start. So the other one that kind of stands out, and I, I know a lot of people have brought this up. The giants, Got a tough road, man. Seven of their first 11 games are on the road. And three of their four home games in that time period are the Cowboys and the Seahawks, playoff teams from a year ago, and the New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers. But seven of their first 11 on the road, man, I saw that and I was like, dang. Sorry, I Giants. What they, I was going to say, you would think with the commissioner in New York, they'd have got yeah. a little better break. As one of the you know old school franchises, you'd have thought they'd have got a little more help. But apparently not. Uh, that's a tough road, man. And the thing about the road is, if you've ever done it at work or whatever, dude, it's the travel for whatever reason. Even though you're sitting on an airplane, it's just exhausting. If you do it two or three weeks in a row, like I remember stretches when I was covering the beat and the Cowboys, you know, would have you know a three game road stretch or four and six, and you, it, dude, that fourth trip, you just like, damn, here I am at the airport again. Here I am. Just it's just a pain, bro. And so that's what wears you down, man. And so it'll be interesting to see how, if they can hang with it, uh, and they can, if they can survive it, they'll be mentally and physically tougher, and they'll be a beast to deal with at the end of the year when they got all them home games. It's can they survive the early stretch? Yeah, and that's the key. So that's kind of everything that jumped out to me on the NFL schedule, and and we'll all start turning our attentions now to that Sunday night opener, Cowboys in New York against the Giants, hoping to start out nicely. And then coming home, you get Giants-Jets back-to-back weeks, two New York teams, one on the road, one at AT&T Stadium. But as we move forth in a couple of things, we got Rangers, we got Stars, but I got one more little NFL nugget for you, and it does 
affect the NFC East because the belief is all that you had to do is get rid of the dark cloud that is Dan Snyder and maybe Washington can be something again <laughs> and it's official. The Washington Commanders on Friday announced that they have been sold to a group led by Josh Harris, who's a D.C. area native. He already owns the New Jersey Devils and the Philadelphia 76ers, and his group is buying the Washington Commanders for $6 billion and includes one Magic Johnson as a part of this group. And we've kind of talked about this in the past. This is a dude who made his billions from the founder of some equity company called Apollo Global Management. He's worth $6 billion. And it's kind of been the belief, hey, get rid of Dan Snyder, and then maybe Washington can return to what they once were in the very early 90s and in the 80s when they were one of the NFL's proud franchises, and Dan Snyder's gone. Well, at least gives him a chance. Dan Snyder, from everything I've read, was just a sudden letter cuss word, dude, Um, for no reason. And uh, this is just me personally. I could just never get down with a person who demands that you call him Mr. Snyder while he calls you Matt. That shit just never rocks with me, man. Yeah. (laughs) It just never does. And when you read stuff and the head coaches go, well, Mr. Snyder said this. And it's not like when the people talking about Jerry. Yeah, they call Mr. Jones sometimes. But they choose to do that. Everybody knows you don't have to call Jerry Jerry. You choose to do that because for whatever. He's been good to your family. He's been good to you, whatever. And here's the other thing, bro. And I'm being real here. Real. Have you ever read one nice thing or one positive thing anybody's ever had to say about Dan Snyder? No. I'm being dead ass. No, I am too. None. Zero. Do you know how hard that is? That nobody, nowhere has ever written something good about him. And when they do write... People who need an anonymity so there won't be retribution tell you about all these awful stories. Now, now, you know, anybody who's that rich, including Jerry Jones, has done some things that they ain't proud of because that's how you get to be that rich. But, dude, at least there's some positivity somewhere in your story. Whether you gave some money to charity or you helped this one person out, you did something that was... You know, it was worthwhile for somebody other than yourself. And Dan Snyder seems to me, from what I've read, because I've never met him, but I've read a lot about him over the last, you know, 20 years or so. Yeah. It seems to be like just the most miserable, and I don't mean this in a positive, 12 letter cuss word out there, bro. Yeah, he's always struck me like if, if you looked up asshole in the dictionary, it would say asshole, example, Dan <laughs> Snyder. That's just wild. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. So... It's nice, it, it's, it's as a fan of the NFL, it, it's nice that Washington is getting out from under this dude. As a fan of the Cowboys, it sucks because they were never going to do anything when Dan Snyder was there, ever. No, they weren't. He was, nah, nah. So we'll see nah. what happens, but the Washington Commanders, maybe it'll turn them back around and they won't be an afterthought. Because I remember growing up as a little kid, you know, Dallas-Washington games were huge. Like, that was a huge rivalry. And for the bulk of my lifetime, it's just been kind of like, I mean, I don't really care about Washington. It's more the Eagles and the Giants for me. It's been a rivalry the year RG3 showed up. And uh, since then, it hasn't really been one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't been one at all. I mean, in, in my estimation, 
and maybe they can bring it back. It wasn't maybe yeah. part of that is the Redskins literally have never been good. Yeah, not since. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I got you. It's been what since uh, Michael go out on you now? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, the early '90s was the last uh, time that Washington was. Re- I mean, we all know that. I mean, we talk about how the Cowboys haven't been to an NFC title game. Okay. Washington hadn't right. been to one since what '92. Yeah, no, no that's 90, right. But 90, uh, but I'm trying to think like 2015. They were nine and seven, so I guess. But the Cowboys sucked that year because yeah. somebody got hurt. Romo got hurt, I think. Um, I'm looking at years where Washington was good. 2012, that's the year I'm thinking about with Romo. They were good that year, and we thought it was going to be the start of something because they had RG3. But then he got hurt, and they went 3-13 and 13 the next year, and they haven't won 10 games since then. And uh, 2005... Uh, that was Bill Parcells trying to build the Cowboys, so the Cowboys weren't any good. So they haven't been a real rivalry. 99, I think Dallas and Washington were both good, relatively speaking, because Washington was 10 to 6. But that's the year Chad Gailey got fired, so Cowboys were probably 8 and 8 that year. Uh, so, dude, this the, the point is, yeah. yeah it's just... been a long time since they were both good. I was just looking at this. Oh, Dallas beat them both that year. Yeah, so since the year 2000, Dallas is, let's see, what is that? That would be 31-15 and 15 against Washington since the year 2000. Right. And so in the previous 20 years, in the 80s and the 90s, Dallas had a slight edge, but it was 23-17. and 17, So you can see much closer like in the 90s they were 12 and 8 against washington in the 80s they were 11 and 9 against washington in in the 2000s and the 2010s they were 14 and 6 against washington in each of those decades that's not a rivalry it ain't been a rivalry in 20 years yeah so maybe it'll return who knows and And that's a long time yeah it is it is a long time man that's i mean that's that's a generation or two of sports fans but that's how like colossally pointless Washington has just been overall in the NFL. I mean, we've we've gone through this before, but I mean, when when you're talking about a team that has not played in an NFC Championship game since the 1991 season, and we make fun right. of the Cowboys all the time because you got to go back to the 95 season. I mean, Washington's Detroit. They're the same franchise, except even Detroit might even have a little bit more to say than Washington over the last 20-some-odd right. years. And the problem is we were linking the Cowboys with Washington, and that's why yeah. it was so bad. Yeah, man. <laughs> Washington, the Jets, the Giants, I mean, the uh, the Lions, all those raggedy Rudy Poot franchises, and your Dallas Cowboys were getting linked to them. Trash, man, trash. In terms of performance. You are trash. So there yes. it is. Bye, bye, Dan Snyder, and go away and go live on an island where nobody can have you. Yeah, how about you, bro? Yeah, just Napoleon yourself and live in exile. Yeah. Man, I, I will tell you, though, because you talk about bad ownership. You talk about elite, um, amazing ownership, and Freeway Tire Shop comes to mind because JR and his crew over there at Freeway, JR is the owner. He's got his guys that are working for him. No matter what it is, you talk about elite customer service, standing behind your work, fair pricing, making sure the customer is taken care of at a mechanic, which I feel like is extraordinarily rare, and Freeway Tire Shop is doing that for everybody, whether it is an oil change or whether you're spending money on tires or you need some serious engine work, no matter what it is, Freeway Tire Shop is going to take care of you and make you feel important and make you feel that you have been in a place where you can trust them. 
Dude, JR, man, first off, y'all should know, in case you didn't, because I've mentioned him several times, but he learned his management style from Home Depot because he's in their management program before he left and started his own business. But JR is the best, bro. And the thing I love about him is you can trust him. And what I mean is, if you had none of us really know how to fix cars, otherwise you wouldn't have to take it to a mechanic. So you need a dude you can trust, and that's what I like about JR. When you take your car to freeway tire, you can trust that he's going to diagnose the problem very quickly. Then you can trust, and this is a good one and a big one, that he's going to use quality parts to fix your car. Then you can trust that he's going to charge you a fair price. And finally, you can trust he's going to stand behind his work. And so I'm dead serious when I tell y'all, if your mechanic doesn't do all of those things, or you don't have a regular mechanic, then go right up 35 to JR's Freeway Tire. It's five uh, minutes north of downtown. You get off at Commonwealth. You go through the light, look to the right, and there it is. You cannot miss it. It's that huge. But uh, that's the place to go if your mechanic is not doing all the things I just mentioned. It's Freeway Tire Shop, my friends. You can check out more information online, freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, and, and we mentioned this from time to time with Smokey John's because they're very close to each other, Freeway Tire Shop and Smokey John's. Drop your car off at Freeway, let JR and his guys get to work on it, and then jump in an Uber or a Lyft or whatever and roll on over to Smokey John's Barbecue and check out the Jam Session Bowl. The Jam Session Bowl, it is created for the jam fans. It is a menu item that is on the secret menu. You can't walk in and see it. You have to be a podcast listener to know it exists. And ah. Juan's told us that so many, like people will order it that come in that are, that we have that are jam fans that go in and order the, the jam session bowl and other people in line will be like, what's that? Oh my God, that looks amazing. I want that because they don't know that it's an option. And so it's just for you guys, man. I mean, the fact that some place in the world created a menu item for all of us is pretty damn awesome. There's no, there's no other way to describe it other than to say the Jam Session Bowl is fantastic and you need to try it. Now, we've gotten several pictures and several comments over the last couple of three months and nobody has said anything about the Jam Session Bowl other than it's phenomenal. Yes. So let me tell you all what it's all about. It's a mac and cheese base or it's a mashed potato base. Then you get your pick out of two out of five smoked meats, man. I usually go with the brisket and the chicken, although I've been known to put the brisket and the sausage in there. All right. Um, then, then all that stuff you find on loaded baked potato, like sour cream and chives and bacon bits and butter, all that stuff, man, and put it on top of it. And then depending on whether you want it drizzled or you want it drenched, uh, dude, they put the sauce on there. That is fantastic. It's enough for two. If you got a little shorty, that's six, seven, the three y'all can eat off it. No cap. It's great. Uh, if not, you're going to have leftovers, but the jam session bowl is where it's at. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. It's right there off of Mockingbird in between 35 and Love Field. They're family-owned. They're local. The barbecue is, is elite. I mean, it is elite. Yeah. So go check them out. Smokey John's Barbecue. Go support those guys because they're just they're phenomenal people, man. So as we move forward here, and I'll throw this out, just a quick trip around the block, and then we'll get into some stars and some rangers and whatnot. But I don't know if you know St. Martin's Wine Bistro on Greenville Avenue. It's been there for, it opened in 1980, so it's been there for 43 years. No, I'm familiar with it, but that's okay. Okay, so it is, it's not cheap, but it's an expensive place. It's a very romantic, like, you know, low light place, really good food, a, a really great wine list, and they are one of the places in DFW, they have a live piano player. 
Oh, really? Who is, it's this dude sitting at a piano in the restaurant playing piano music while you're enjoying your romantic dinner. We went there, man, this is, this is a few years back. We went there for one of our anniversary dinners. Aren't you snoozing my few? Yeah, she found it. And I was like, okay. I was like, why not? We'll check it out. I was like, I don't usually like to pay this much, but whatever. And it was great. It was fantastic. Well, after 43 years in their current oh. location. Oh, okay. No, they're shutting it down. Oh, no. They're relocating it. Oh, okay. Apparently their lease is up. And so they're going to move somewhere in East Dallas. They haven't announced where, and they'll be reopening in a few months. And it's interesting because... You know, that little chunk of Greenville right there, you had St. Martin's, which opened in 1980. The San Francisco Rose, which had been there, had opened, I believe it was 1977 when it opened. It closed in 2017. The Grape had been over in that area. They closed in 2019 after 42 years. And the Blue Goose Cantina, which isn't too far from right there, closed in March after Hmm. 39 years. Wow. Uh, I wonder how much of that is just simply... Somebody bought the land or bought the building and said, hey, I know your rent has been 2000 yeah. a month for the last three years. Well, not 6000 a month. I kind of wonder that, too. Like, hey, this is such a premium, premium area. There's a lot of places. Cause I know they've built up some housing and, and apartment complexes kind of on Greenville now. I just kind of wonder if the land value became so much. They're like, hey, you can stay, but it's going to cost you this much because otherwise we're going to tear this down and build something. Yeah. And, you know, the problem with that, man, is just that even if you move, I mean, if you if we think about our individual lives, I think about this a lot with convenience stores and gas stations. Like when you live in a neighborhood, you go to this gas station or you go to that one, this one or that one, this one or that one, this one or that one. And you stay there for five years and think about how much money you spend at this one or that one, this one or that one. Well, then you move. And you take your seven thousand dollars a year in gas and snacks to some other location. Yeah. And it's just wild how that, and my point is you can pick up and move your restaurant, but that doesn't mean it's going to do the same business. Now maybe it will because it's been around 43 years and it has that kind of name recognition, but then it becomes, ah, oh, well we used to just go down the street and around the corner and there it was. And you know, maybe now it's, I don't want to go in Dallas traffic down two corners and two lights. I don't know. It's just, you know, when you move it like that, there's no guarantee they follow you. Although you yeah. hope like hell they will. Yeah, we'll see. But if you are a fan of St. Martin's or you want to check it out, and, and I will look, it's not cheap. It's a it, it's a special occasion anniversary type restaurant, but they are closing on Saturday, May 20th, coming up here at the end of the week. That'll be the last time for St. Martin's there on Greenville. Yeah. What Matt's trying to say is you won't you'll feel like you got your money's worth after you ate. It's true, man. I it, It's. That's the only restaurant, and I know that there's restaurants like this, I'm sure, all over the place. That's the only restaurant I've ever eaten at in my life that has a live piano player. No, that's kind of cool, though. I mean, that I mean, was awesome. Like, it, it's, cool. it's a, you know, it's a nice, a super nice anniversary type place. It's really cool. The other thing that I thought, this is nuts. So Heritage Aus- uh, Auctions, everybody's probably familiar with them in Dallas. They sell a lot of stuff from all over the place. Well, they now are offering an auction on the original bar that was featured on the set of Cheers. Wow. It is the Cheers bar. And so George Went and John Ratzenberger, who played two of the main characters on that show, who played Norm and Cliff, they were in town to promote the auction and whatnot. And it's just crazy, man. Like it's, the whole bar is being sold. It's it's the Cheers bar and nearly 1,000 other pieces, including the original All in the Family and Johnny Carson sets, are what being auctioned. Do what? 
What do you do with those? I don't know, man. I have no you idea. You got to sit. What do you do with it? I don't know. That's See, I was wondering that too because so the Cheers bar started at $100,000 and they're expecting it obviously to rise because the live auction is going to take place in the first week of June. And so it is split into three sections. The winning bidder will receive the counter, the brass railing, and six burgundy bar stools. <laughs> Carved into the bar where Cliff settled in for a drink is the name Kirsty, left by Kirsty Alley, who played the character Rebecca Howe. I mean, this is just, this is so, because I thought the same thing. It's like, okay, so you win this. What do you do with it? <laughs> Maybe your house is so massive you can, you can just move it into another, into one of your rooms. I guess, man. Like you, you, you got a mansion like that. But I don't know, bro. And I, I mean, maybe you just have like some space and you, you, your friends come over and you're like, man, this looks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Where everybody knows your name sitting right here. It's the Cheers Bar. Because your friends got to be a certain age to even, even, uh, yeah, look, even, even get the joy from it. Yes, you're exactly right. And you got to be a little older because I have seen Cheers, but I, I couldn't tell you hardly anything about I haven't seen all of Cheers. I mean, this is a show that went off the air in 1993. Damn, it went off that long ago? Yeah, dude, it ran from 1982 to 1993, 275 episodes over 11 seasons. Wow. Dude, I'm getting old. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to argue. Tell you I got to tell you something funny. What's funny is when I called my godmother this morning, wished her happy Mother's Day, and she's talking about this or that. I said, hey, check this out. I'm closer to 60 than 50. Man. And she about had a heart attack on the phone. <laughs> I said, why are you acting like you didn't know this? She goes, I did, but it's only when you said it that I thought about it. That's how it is, man. You know. <laughs> I had such a good laugh over that. Life moving on. Yeah, but yeah, Cheers bro. Cheers is one of those shows because it's, it's I mean, it, it's generally looked at as one of the greatest sitcoms of all time and one of the greatest TV shows of all time that I've thought there have been times I was like, man, I wonder if it, it still holds up, if it'd be worth going back and trying to watch that, you know, cause I've talked about Dude. how we're watching Seinfeld. I wonder if cheers would work where you just Does watch Seinfeld? like an episode or two, a, a, a night or, you know, whatever. And you just kind of go through it over the course of a couple of years. Uh, is Seinfeld holding up for you? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it, it's interesting to see there are certain episodes that never in a million years would they have made TV in today's world. Oh, like what? Um, just some, I'm just, just the way now that we are with certain aspects of life that you would never make fun of now, that back in the nineties, certain things you could make fun of, you know, the way people would live lifestyles, that type of thing, uh, sexual yeah. orientations, right. you know, that now it, it just would be, there's no way you, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. And there are some moments on this series where you're like, man. It's crazy that there used to be like 20 minute episodes kind of around this, you know, and, and, and obviously not anything like they don't use words that we wouldn't use today because you couldn't use those on television back then anyway. But just like the right. Some of the things that they'll have pointed jokes at that, that you just there's no way it would work today. Right, right. And it, it's there's a couple and there's a couple that are just kind of like, oh, man, this is um, hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and I, I mean, thinking about that, so that was in the 90s and in, in, into, I guess Seinfeld went out the air in like 99 or something. But then I wonder, like, cheers going into the 80s. I wonder what kind of comedy worked in the 80s. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Good point. So I don't know, because like I said, I've, I've seen some of Cheers, but, you know, I, I, I know the idea behind it, but I don't know. I never made a focused effort or never tried to go down the rabbit hole of Cheers. All right. So are you enjoying Seinfeld? A yes. show about nothing. Yeah, Seinfeld is, it, it, there's most of it still holds up, and when it hits, it is very, very funny. All right. Cool. But season eight, we just finished season eight. There's one more season to go. It, it's got it's gone off the rails like there's it like it's almost like they're just like oh what what could we put into a tv show to see what would happen and i mean it is outrageous at times and i think real talk i think that's why they why they took it off like seinfeld was like i've pretty much done all we can do with yeah, this pretty much and, and you could have said that at the end of season seven didn't have to go to nine i think but we'll see yeah. all right we'll see but yeah cheers is you want to buy it and you're rich and you listen to the podcast, man, go to Heritage Auctions and maybe we'll, we'll come sit at the Cheers Bar and have a beer with you. Who knows? No, hell yeah, we would. That'd be awesome. So let's move back in. We got the Dallas Stars and Game 7. Game 7 is going to be Monday night. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop, which is awesome. What's not awesome is they got their ass kicked. Make no mistake about it. Seattle was the way better team in Game 6 in Seattle they were dominated by a team. I thought it was obvious in the first period. Dallas just looked like they didn't have the jump, which is hard to do. The Kraken knew this is it. We're at home. We lose our seasons over. And right. they played with that sense of desperation that they just had something the Stars didn't have on Saturday night. Dude, it happens, man. There's, it just happens. That's why they say the desperate team theory works. Um, because you can't, no matter how much you practice, no matter how hard you practice, no matter what you tell a team, you can't replicate the desperation of knowing our season is a wrap if we don't win today. Which is why, what, game seven will be, should be epic in one sense because both teams will start the game with that week, our season's over if we lose. And so everybody is playing as hard as they can. Everybody is as focused as they can. Um, and that's why you get it, which is also why if one team gets off to a good start, you know, they can the other team can fade like you see in the Super Bowl all the time because resignation sets in and the give up comes because you realize your season's over and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And you I mean, the first period you and I were talking about this before we recorded here, but Seattle outshot Dallas 16 to five in the first period dominated the game and, th and this was you know they pulled Ottinger five minutes into the second period after he allowed a fourth goal Dallas went down four to one you knew that I thought the game was over when Seattle got to three I was like they, they just they just look so much better than Dallas did and then when it was four to one and they pulled Ottinger I was like wow okay so even the stars are basically saying all right and DeBoer said this after the game that one, you're looking for a spark, hoping to try anything to spark your team. And two, at that point, you got to think ahead and say, look, let's conserve this dude's energy. He basically only played one period last night, and the Dallas Stars are going to have the much fresher goalie going to game seven. And the fact, since they lost last year to Calgary in the playoffs, Ottinger right. is 23-2-3 and three coming off of a loss. Right, that's all. That's all good. It's just, uh, and I expect them to win. Let's let's me let's make that clear because yeah. I think they are the better team. Although the Kraken is damn good. Um, that being said, man, game seven hockey, 
the funny stuff that little puck does, man, man, when it deflects off of this or that or bounces this way or caroms that way that you can't predict, uh, dude. And don't let it get to overtime. You know, you need to win it in regulation because nobody wants overtime in a game seven where uh, I'm perfect. I got my pad out here. I'm about to make this save and it yes. bounces off somebody's skate, then hits somebody's thigh and then trickles in at an angle you could have you could have never have anticipated. Yes. Yeah. Or yeah. Somebody hits that wicked shot like happened in the uh, what's that series we were watching where it do wheel? Well, where Florida beat Boston. Yeah. Got just wheels and takes a wicked shot that God himself couldn't have got a glove on. Yeah, man, that's overtime game seven. I can't handle. I'm, I'm hoping that the stars do what we've seen. I mean, there's been years past. I remember in 99 when they beat the abs and they went, it was four to one and it was obvious the stars just had it. And the whole third period was like a coronation and you're just going bonkers celebrating. You, you'd rather have that where it's in control because game seven is going to be insane. And I, look, I, I'll be curious to see what they do because Hawk and Paul was straight trash. The Hawk and Paul Lindell pairing on Saturday night were on the ice for five of the cracking six goals. Lindell wasn't good, but Hawk and Paul was straight trash. And I kind of right. wonder if they'll go back to putting Miller in his spot with with Lindell for that defensive pairing. But well, check we'll it see. Out. The, I think the the Kraken scored all their goals with uh, with that defensive pairing on the ice. Yeah, yeah, five of the six goals. That those yeah. were the two guys on there. I mean, I mean, so I don't have to be a hockey coach and a hockey expert to be like. This is not a positive, and we need to we need to try. And hockey is the experimental game. Like they change lines all the time. They change. They don't change defensive pairings as much. But now I'd be like, Dog, okay, I'm not going to lose a game seven because I didn't change this, which seems obvious. It needs to be tinkered with. Yeah, it's game sevens are intense. It's going to be fun. You hope the stars come out. You know it's going to be buzzing, man. It, it, both teams are going to play straight desperation. It's going to be buzzing, and you got to ask Jake Ottinger, okay, dude, you're supposed to be the future. It's now. The window is here. Be the goalie that you've been for the vast majority of the season, and if you expect he's always bounced back really well, we've seen it in the playoffs. Even just in this playoffs, he's bounced back really well. And right. if, he, if he plays like the way he's capable of playing, then I do believe the stars will win this series. But we got to see it yeah. on Monday night. Yeah, you have to you have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come out and show us what you're made of, man. Now's the time. That's all good. So, a couple of things but before we get into the Rangers, HFX Foundation Solutions, another one of our great sponsors, Aaron and his guys, man, and, and, and much like we talk about with your air conditioning and flow air, heating and air, it's the same way when you get ready for the summer months with your foundation, you're starting to see problems, foundation problems, you you might not even realize that you have them and then months later you start seeing things. Don't put that off. If you're, if you're noticing doors that were sticking that weren't last year, if you're starting to see some cracks in your foundation or your walls, you're seeing that type of thing, go ahead and give HFX Foundation Solutions a call and have them come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection. It takes about 45 minutes and that could save you thousands of dollars in damages here in the next few months as all of a sudden what happens? The heat comes in, it stops raining, the soil gets dry, and what you thought was, oh, that's just a little crack. The next thing you know, you may have a serious problem. Get out ahead of that with HFX Foundation Solutions. No, man. You know, the reason why we jokingly and laughingly call it a colonoscopy for your house is real, though. There's all kind of things happening inside your body that you don't know about. And that's why you, you send the camera up there to check it out and make sure everything's straight. Well, Aaron and his team at HFX, they do the same thing, except they do it for your crib. 
they go in all those parts that you don't go into and they look around and they make sure everything is straight oh you got a little crack in the ceiling here's why but you're good you're good don't worry so they can tell you why anything that's happening in your house is happening as it relates to doors and windows sticking and all that stuff but more important they give you that peace of mind that your crib is okay you good have a peace of mind pop a bottle on us because it looks like you don't have to worry about anything with your foundation and check this out if there is something wrong with your foundation chances are because you got it checked out you caught it early and if you catch it early we all know what happens you don't pay nearly as much as if you catch it late so give Aaron and his team a call and let them do that work for you and give you some peace of mind. It's easy to do, man. They're local. They're family owned. Anywhere in DFW, they got you taken care of. 817-770-0174 or online, hfxfoundation.com. The Texas Rangers, man, they continue getting it done. They are in first place in the AL West as they have been for a while now. They have a three-and-a-half game lead, and, of course, they are going to be playing. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon. They've got Mother's Day game in Oakland, so we'll see how they finish up the series. But, man, you and I were talking about this. This is a Rangers team that, as we record this, is 24-15. and 15. They're nine games over 500. And even a couple of nights ago on Friday night, they give up, I think it was five runs in the 10th for a walk-off win to the A's. And you look at this team, you go, man, the starting pitching, even without the Grom, the starting pitching has still been phenomenal. The lineup right. is putting up enough runs to win. The problem has become, and it's something that they're going to have to address, this bullpen is crazy shaky. Dude, it's, it's, it's awful. It is. <laughs> it's mean, awful. That's, you're, that's fair. It's the, back, the back end is awful. And we, you know, and you can point to a lot of fingers and reasons why it's awful. Uh, it starts with LeClerc's inability. He was the closer when the season started. His inability to throw strikes and uh, command his fastball. And, uh, you know, but the bottom line is there. And here's the deal, because I'm making a couple points here. Seasons and expectations evolve as you show us one thing or the other. They can evolve in a negative like it did with the Mavericks, where we had expectations of, oh, if things fall right, they can get to the finals and maybe can win a championship. Yeah. And then things fell wrong at a certain point. We were like, dude, not only are they not going to get home court advantage in the playoffs, uh, are they making the playoffs? And then it became, dude, they're not making the playoffs. Wow. And then it became, so they just quit on the season and tried to get a draft choice. They don't have to give it to the Knicks. Expectations changed. Well, what happened to the Rangers? Dude, they go 500. It's been a hell of a year. Oh, my God, if they're competing and playing meaningful games in September, oh, my God, that's been a great year considering they've been so bad the last six years. Well, now, as we're getting halfway through June, they got, what, two, three, four-game lead in American League West. They're playing good. They don't look like a fluke because starting pitching is good. They've scored amongst the most runs in American League and in baseball. Like, well, damn. Maybe we got to reevaluate our expectations and go, you know, we didn't really think uh, 90 wins was a possibility, but if but now it is. And 90 wins gets you in the playoffs. But you can't do anything in the playoffs with a bullpen like this. And maybe you don't even get to the playoffs with a bullpen like this if, unless you win a division. And so they got to figure out how to fix it. I like Chris Young. I think they will. But I'd be doing it sooner rather than later. I would as well. And to your point, 
the reality of it is you're sitting here and, and, and look, it's a three and a half game lead as we talk here on Sunday about this, but the Rangers just in the last couple of weeks have lost four games on walk-offs to the opposing team. That's four yeah. games in which they had the lead going in late. Just those four games. If you just take those four games, if they win those four, they're 28 and 11, which would be two games behind Tampa for the best record in the entire American league. But because your bull finish is so shaky, you lose those four games that you honestly, everything else went the way it should have been. You should have won. And you're talking about right. just those four. You got a seven and a half, eight game lead in the division. If your bullpen could hold up. Right. So now, you know, so to me, it's just about like, we ain't saying nothing that Chris Young doesn't know about. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or that Bruce Bochy hadn't talked to him about like, yo, how long we want to roll with this? Because my suspicion is they're trying to figure out how much is real and how much is a fluke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is LeClerc going to come back and be that guy at some point or not? You know, can Will Smith take us until LeClerc gets back? You know, what? what's the deal? And they're trying to give guys enough time without losing games to figure that out before they make a move. Uh, because to make a move and get the kind of guy they want, you got to give up a chunk of your system. That's just the way it is. But I'm okay with that because prospects, to me, are meant to be dealt. Why? Because I don't care what you do at AAA or AA, the big leagues is a whole nother ball game, bro. Maybe you come up and you do what everybody thought you'd do, you should do, or maybe you're jerks and profile. You're supposed to be this guy who's a superstar and you're just a guy. And it happens all the time. So I don't fall in love with any prospects. Look at um, uh, Zeke Duran, who they got from the Yankees. Did anybody know when he came in, oh, yeah, he's going to be doing what he's doing if he ever gets a chance. I mean, he was a talented prospect, but yeah. that's all he was. So you need a real closer, not a BS closer. You need a real closer. So go do what you got to do to go get a real closer. Whatever it takes, man. It's, you need it. Now, okay, let me let me put a caveat in there. Maybe I'm not trading Evan Carter for a real closer. Well, yeah, I mean, but, and, and you wouldn't have to. I mean, closers are just about cost anybody you. else, yeah. bro. Yeah, you know. And so, yeah, every organization's got their two or three untouchables. But aside from those guys, man, everybody else is open game. I'm in with you, and and to prove the point, the Rangers are fifth in Major League Baseball in their ERA for their starters. They're 17th in ERA for their relievers. And now think about it. That's eight, after a fantastic start. Yes, and they're 18th in ERA with an ERA of over four from the seventh inning on. Which is, I mean, no, can't dude, do it. nothing but losing teams probably have numbers like that. Yeah, I would imagine. You can't do it. And they know that. Yeah. And like, like you've said, look, it's May. I would imagine that at, at some point they will pull the trigger and make sure that they're going to secure somebody on the back end of this bullpen that they can go to that they have trust in. Yeah. Th they'll be that aggressive too. because this is a team that can make the playoffs, and I think everybody sees that and they're aware of that. This is not a fluke at this point. You're, you're six weeks into the season. This is a team that's very capable of doing something this year. So the other thing I wanted to throw out here, because this is for us on Sunday afternoon, it's breaking news. You guys will all be aware of this on Monday, but I, I don't even know what to think about this. The Memphis, this the Memphis yeah. Grizzlies have suspended Ja Morant from all team activities after yet another video has emerged showing him holding a gun that began circulating on social media Saturday night. And 
The Grizzlies announced a suspension, and, and of course, it'll be under league review. I mean, we're talking about a guy who already earlier this NBA season was suspended for, what, eight games because of a, a gun incident? Right, right, right. And so now the fact that he's doing this again, after you've already been suspended for this, I I don't know, man. I, 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 I My mind is not processing why you would risk all this. Um, well, no, your mind's not going to process it, nor is your mind going to process how Nike has already come out and said, we're done with uh, John Morant henceforth and forevermore. So knowing John Morant and his talent, he was probably getting somewhere between 20 and 25 million a year from Nike uh, on an annual basis. So you just and think about how young he is, you know, 24, 25 you probably just pissed away a quarter of a billion dollars uh, over the over the next ten years or so. Um, this is just me looking at the video two or three times, surmising what happened. Okay, everybody rides around with a gun these days. That's just what people do. You can agree with it, you can disagree with it. That's just what people do. Uh, whether it was his gun or whether it's just in a car. But look at John Morant, and it looks to me like he's faded now i don't know this but it appears allegedly that he could be faded which means high who acts in their right mind when they're high nobody and now the, the lesson would be dude you can't be getting high out in public and riding around like this but this is what young people with money do um, and until you decide that that's not an environment that i choose to be in because when i'm in this environment these types of bad things happen to me then there are always going to be stories like this, man. Um, now, I just had a rule because of my profession, being in the public eye, and I think I've told Matt this many times, I had a two-drink max. And most of the time, that was a one-drink max because I didn't need any incident whatsoever where the blood alcohol came back and I was anywhere close to being drunk because you work, I have a public job. Mm. And that was just me, and that was just the approach I took because I knew I might not get a second chance. I was not so talented that I was irreplaceable. And so I didn't take the chance. But there's lots of other people who don't take that chance. And John Moran is one of them. And Nike getting rid of him is a big, uh, that's a big, that's a big hit right there, bro. Yeah, that's going to be huge. And, and now. I bet he gets, go ahead. I just wonder, next year you're looking at a Grizzlies team that obviously was solid during the regular season this year you wonder I mean what's the NBA going to do here like oh, okay so eight yeah. games is it half the year I mean what's it going to be I was going to say bro I bet he gets a quarter of the season because they're going to say you know Doug I mean you do this with your kids eight games or you don't do it with your kids with your kids you say okay this punishment clearly didn't deter you from that behavior let me see if this one will and then you double down on it, whatever that is. So I wouldn't be shocked if you got a quarter of the season. Like eight games didn't teach you nothing. Let's see what you think about a quarter of the season. Yeah, man, this is, it's just wild. I mean, I've just looked at, so he's 23. He'll turn 24 in August, but man, you can't, you can't do this. You, you can't, I mean, he's, he's going to throw away if he can't figure out how to get this under control. And the fact, you know, not that this can be proven, but if, if you're right and the dude's wrong, because he was in the driver's seat waving the gun in this right. video that emerged over the weekend, 
you know, and if he's also rolling around, like at some point, and maybe it'll never come out, maybe we won't know, the Grizzlies will, will see it, and the NBA will be like, look, dude, are you smoking weed driving around? <laughs> Seriously, because, again, so it's one thing, we're going to suspend you for the gun that you got waving it around because you can't be doing that again. And look, if you want to smoke weed, kick ass, knock yourself out, you can't drive. It's still a DUI. It's driving under the influence. And you can't do that. And you wonder, I mean, if, if stuff like this continues to happen, I mean, has he signed an, an, a contract extension? Because I wonder if you're the Grizzlies, do you look at this and go, okay, what do we do with this? You know? Trying to you see. Really? Okay, I see that he has signed it. Okay, well then, it, it, see, and that's the case. But then you wonder, like, if you're the Grizzlies, does this, start, does this stuff for him, like from a monetary standpoint, start becoming... Is there some sort of, what would you call it, like clause in there that they could void his contract? Yeah, if they want to. I don't, you know, it gets a point where you don't want to go there, but you, 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 these conversations start to happen. You're like, okay, if he has another one, what do we do then? Right, yeah, like a third time. Because like you said, the first time you're like, okay, moron, you can't be doing this, eight games, like figure it out and, and come back. And then you do it again, and he, like Tim McMahon posted a like a quote that Ja had at the end when they were eliminated and got blown out by the Lakers. He even says, I've got to be better with my decision-making. That's pretty much it. Off-the-court issues affected us as an organization pretty much. I just need more discipline. Bro, that's exactly what it is. And then here you are a couple weeks later doing this, and you just go, man, got, you have to be smarter. And, and I mean, we all know this. Sometimes the dudes that you grow up with and that and I don't know that the guy he was with was some dude he grew up with, but sometimes they're not the best influences. And when you start getting all this money and prestige, your responsibilities change and theirs are still the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just uh, <laughs> um, I heard Dion talk about it a million times, man, when I was in Jackson working on a book. Um, everybody's not for you, man. Or. And it's not just that everybody's not for you. And that could be friends and family, too. But then everybody's not on the same path that you're on. And sometimes when your path changes, you got to get rid of people that you used to kick it with. And they just have to be mad about that. Oh, you change it, man. You, you're not dying with us no more. I can't be, man. Y'all do stuff I can't be doing no more. Because I've changed and you haven't. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you have to figure that out as you get older. You can't let and, other you people know, bring you down, especially when you're in, in the eye that he is in. Duh. And, I'm, and it's not always about athletes and money. Like, if you're a person, let's take it to its simplest form. If you're a person who has a drinking problem and you're like, okay, I'm sober, I've got this under control now, and your boys still say, hey, man, come on, let's go. We head out to a bar tonight. You'd be like, dog. I can't ride with y'all right there, man. It's not a good environment for me. If y'all want to go smoke cigars or something, well, I can't even be in that environment because there's liquor and alcohol there. Let's go find an environment that doesn't have any alcohol I can rock with y'all. But if y'all want to get down like that, I just can't do it because I'm not ready for that. And so, you know, and it doesn't matter what your vice is. If you have it, then you have to separate your people most of the time from other people who are doing that, who are usually your friends because that's some of the stuff you did together. Yeah. Even if it's something as simple as chasing women. Okay, now I'm married. So now I can't go out there and hang out with y'all like we used to because I can't be in that environment anymore because I'm not doing that. I'm married. 
That's very true. I mean, it goes back to even when you're younger, you know, and you may run into a couple of bad seeds or whatever you want to call them in high school or even in middle school. And it's like, right. oh, every time I hang out with these people, I get in trouble. At some point, you have to decide, <laughs> I, I can't, I don't want to get in trouble anymore. And what's the common denominator here? It's this guy or these two guys or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. And you got to walk away Absolutely. from that. You know, the other thing, I'll just throw this out real quick before we wrap up. The Phoenix Suns, who had their season end after getting blown off the court in, at home in game six last year against the Mavs, they got blown off the court at home in game six to the Denver Nuggets. Phoenix has fired their head coach, Monty Williams, after four years. And our buddy Tim McMahon also after the game reported that they will be aggressively shopping Chris Paul, trying to move on from him. (laughs) And that $50 trillion contract. Yeah, and apparently, so the deal is with Chris Paul is coming up in June. I I can't remember the exact date. It's, It's later in June. He has a $15 million deal that becomes guaranteed for $30 million. He's got two years at $60 million left. If he's still on the roster at the end of June. Okay, he getting cut at worst. <laughs> he's not going to be on the roster. Man, it's, it's, it's one of the strangest things. Because Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of all time. And, it, yeah. and for whatever Whoa. reason, every team, he could never find a team that he could get on that could actually get over the hump. Now, part of that may be unfair from a couple of years ago when they played in the NBA Finals, but, you know, and the injury well, situation hit. But, I, it, I mean, that's just reality. Him. He was never the best team. He was never on the best team, though, was he? Ah, man, you know, probably not. That's probably fair to say going into the NBA Finals. I'd say that and was And in fair. the NBA, it's hard. I mean, you can win if you're not on the best team, but daggone it, it's hard to do, bro. Uh, and maybe that's a discussion for another day. But, you know, I get, I get what it is about him. Uh, I mean, he's a great player. He's had some bad luck. So, I mean, I, you know, it's hard to win championships. Uh, that it is. Yeah, I mean, especially in the LeBron Steph Curry era, you you mm. might have made a case that the Suns were the best. They weren't the one seed the year they made the finals and lost to the Bucks, but you know the Bucks were forty six and twenty six that year when Giannis won, and Phoenix was fifty one and twenty one, had the second best record in the NBA. You right. could make the case that Phoenix should have won that NBA Finals, but remember he got hurt and they had some injuries and they ended up losing. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. That that was the bad luck part. Yeah, and he's so, just run into that, man. It's just it's crazy to think that. And yeah. then like the last two years, these I mean, Phoenix, you talk about underachieving. Losing to the and, and maybe not because Denver's the number one seed. Denver's supposed to win. I mean, Denver is supposed to win. Denver been the best team in the league all year. So we'll see, man. And now it's yeah, Denver I mean, and LA. That, you might not necessarily supposed to get beat by thirty at the crib. But you know Not like that, dude. I mean, they got yeah, trumped. I mean, just like, bomb, bomb, you're done, get out of here. Exactly. And now we get the Lakers against Denver with the whole country rooting for Denver except Lakers fans. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> yeah. All right, kids, that's a podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We'll be back again coming up on Wednesday. Got another episode dropping Friday. I'll go ahead and tell everybody. We will not be recording an episode for Monday, the 22nd, because I'm going to Austin on this upcoming weekend. I'll be in Austin and we do not get back. And I'll explain this a couple of times just so people don't freak out when there's not one coming up on the 22nd. But we'll have three this week and then we won't have one on the 22nd because I don't land in Birmingham on the 21st at next Sunday until 1155 p.m. Wow. Yeah, it's a late flight. So. Look forward to this week because you get three full episodes. So we'll have those for you. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. 
Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.